welcome to Blessed Hope Podcast. This is a media outreach by Blessed Hope Bible Presbyterian Church. Today, we will be looking at the sermons of Robert Murray McChain on the book of Hebrews, edited by Michael D. McMullen, published by the Banner of Truth Trust. Sermon 5. The Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. The word of God in this passage does not mean the Bible or written word of God, but the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate word. This is evident because he only is the living word, of whom it can be said the word of God is quick, meaning living and powerful. Christ only is the living word. He is the discerner or discerner, discoverer or discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And he only is the all-seeing judge of all with whom we have to do. Again, in other passages, when Jesus is called the Word of God, the same attributes are given to him as here. In John 1, in the beginning was the Word. It's followed by, in him was life. And in Revelation 19, verse 12 to 15, he is called the Word of God. His eyes are as a flame of fire, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. In these words, then, there can no, be no doubt we are brought into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you may feel as if this were not the same Jesus of whom you read in the Gospels, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, meek and lowly in heart, having compassion on the multitudes, healing and saving all that come to him. You may be like John, who when he saw him on the rocky hour of Patmos, fell at his feet as dead, yet he is the very same. Only here you are shown some of the deeper and more awful features of his character. The apostle has been seeking to warn you against the beginnings of declension in the divine life. And to do this, he draws the veil aside and shows you some of the awful features of him with whom we have to do. Dear friends, pray for full discovery of Jesus. Do not be contented to be acquainted with parts of Him. Go on and get deeper views of Him, and so you will be kept from falling. This is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. John 17 verse 3 How is He here described? That is, He is living and effectually working. Christ is called living for two reasons because he is the living one. Having life in himself, he is the uncreated God, who only have immortality, deriving his life and being from no other. So he says in Revelation 1, that he is the first and the last, the living one. And in John 5 verse 26, it is said, As the Father have life in himself, so have he given to the Son to have life in himself. He with whom we have to do is the uncreated living one, because he is the fountain of life. Every soul that has spiritual life derives it from him. He begins 
and he carries on the life of the soul. As it is said in John 1, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And again he says, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. John 10 verse 10. And again in Jeremiah 2 verse 13, he calls himself the fountain of living waters. And in John, he invites all that are thirsty to come and drink. He with whom we have to do is the prince of life, the fountain of all spiritual life. Again, he is called powerful or effectually working because none can stay his hand from working. He quickens whom he wills. His word is irresistible. When he stood beside the rocky sepulchre at Bethany, and the weeping sisters stood beside him, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Death had laid his icy fetters upon him. Satan and all his legions strove to keep the cold body in the tomb, but it was vain. So when Jesus comes to a sinner, he finds him in his grave. The soul is cold and clammy, no desire for life pants in that bosom. All is cold and silent and prayerless as a rocky sepulchre of Lazarus. Satan is binding down the soul with iron fetters, the world with silken cords. Jesus cries, Lazarus, come forth! And the dead sinner begins to live. Every band is broken. He arises and follows Jesus. Ah, the word of God is living and powerful, and this is he with whom you have to do. This applies to those who feel dead in sins. When God is really teaching a soul, he begins by making that soul feel dead in trespasses and sins. Is there any of you saying, I'm dead in trespasses and in sins? I have no understanding of divine things. My mind is cold and hard. I have no will for these things. My will is dead. My heart is dead. I'm like the dry bones in the open valley, very many and very dry. To such and one I say, Behold, the Saviour whom God has provided is the living one, the resistless one. Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out, out of your graves. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and brought you up out of your graves. Ezekiel 37 verses 12 and 13. In Jesus, brethren, you not only have one who has white raiment to cover your black and guilty soul, but one who has a living hand to draw it over your soul. He is able to quicken the dead soul. None can resist him. Sin, Satan, the world may bind your soul, yet all in vain. If he undertakes for you, he will break through all. You think you have got life from Christ, but then it is so small a spark that you fear it may be quenched. You feel such amazing floods of corruptions breaking up from your heart that you are on the brink of giving up in despair. Fear not, Jesus is the living one. He is able to save to the uttermost them that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth. If Christ has given you life, then Christ is for you. And I ask, who can be against you? You feel but little of the divine life moving in you. Still, that little he will maintain and increase, though all the powers of hell should assail you. Ah, remember, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If he be a living one to save, he is also the living one to destroy. 
If none can resist him in saving a soul, so none can resist him in damning a soul. Can thine heart endure, or can thine hand be strong in the day that I shall deal with thee? That these words do really apply to the Lord Jesus. You will see by comparing Isaiah 49 verse 2. He hath made my mouth like a sword, sharp sword. And Revelation 1 verse 16. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Even when he is walking among the churches. Again, we read in Revelation 19 verse 15 of his coming to take vengeance. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. The Lord Jesus, in his dealings with men, is sharper than any two-edged sword. This is true in two respects. A natural man is carnally secure. He has built a wall around his soul and dipped it with untempered mortar. He makes a covenant with death and with hell he is at agreement. He hides in a refuge of lies. He seals pillows to his armholes and his conscience is fast asleep. This is the state of all natural men. They say peace, peace, when there is no peace. When the Lord Jesus comes to deal with such a soul, he is like a sharp two-edged sword. The eye of Christ penetrates into his inmost soul. He is naked and laid open to the eyes of Christ. Christ discovers the man to himself. He breaks down the wall with the, and the refuges of lies he sweeps away. He pierces into the hand with his sharp word and spirit. He lets the man see the horrid depravity, enmity and ingratitude of his heart. Ah, this is like a sword getting between the bones and the marrow. Again, he sets his sins in order before him, amazing and confounding the soul, particularly sins committed in secret. He shows him in his, his depravity. He cuts asunder all his hopes of being pleasing to God in himself, so that the soul lies at the feet of Christ, self-condemned, crying, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. O oh, brethren, I would to God that the Lord Jesus would come thus among you like a sharp two-edged sword. Do you think that sharp sword has ever pierced your heart? Do you think your carnal security has been slain? Ah, if not, you have not turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. No carnally secure soul will ever turn to Christ. Oh, I fear there are many speaking peace to themselves to whom Christ has never spoken peace. There are many who will remain hypocrites till they die. They always build their hopes on something else than Christ. Many build on their moral character like the Pharisee. I thank thee, I am not as other men are. Some build on their outward services. They hear the word constantly. They sit down at sacraments. Some build it on their great knowledge of divine things. That There is seldom a sermon where they hear anything new. Some on their past feelings that once they were deeply awakened, filled with amazing views, filled with transporting joys, some on their good name. They have a name to live, and how can they be vain? Many such persons are never awakened till it is too late. Many of these persons live as pleasing themselves with their supposed conversion, till they fall into the lake that burneth and find themselves among the hypocrites for eternity. Now, the Lord Jesus is the great destroyer of hypocrites. He is like a sharp two-edged sword for this very purpose. Sometimes on the deathbed, Jesus comes and fights against the hypocrite with the sword of his mouth. He makes the word glance into his innermost heart. 
he shows him clearly the sand on which he has been building, that he has been trusting to his own righteousness, feeding his own pride. He shows him the unrenewed heart, that sin is reigning and not Christ, that there is no new man. Fast does the Lord cut away the hope of the hypocrite. He slays him with his sharp sword. Revelation 19 verse 21 Oh, brethren, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. There is no misery like that of a slain hypocrite. The lowest place in hell is for hypocrites. Alas, if there are any of you who know that you have been acting apart, that you have been pretending to be awakened, pretending to be converted, pretending to have found the Lord Jesus Christ, pretending to be one of the Lord's flock, when the Lord knows you are a wolf in sheep's clothing, Think for a moment, pray that your false hopes may be cut asunder now. Soon it will be too late. Pray that Christ's glancing sword may divide even now between you and your hypocritical soul, that you may yet obtain true mercy. Verse 13 Neither is there any creature, man, angel, archangel, devil, infant, young man, old man, poor, rich, slave, oppressor, all, all have their bosom bare to the penetrating glance of the Lord Jesus. His eyes are like a flame of fire. We are mysteries to one another. No man knows what is going on in the bosom next to him. Some men are especially close and concealed. They are wrapped up in so many folds that you cannot tell what they are. But not so, Jesus. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. All things are naked and open to his eyes. The words used are very remarkable. It is supposed they are taken from the sacrifice of animals. First, the skin was flayed off so that the flesh became naked. Then it was divided with the knife and laid open to the backbone. This is what it meant by opened and all laid open. So bare and open are the hearts of all men in the eyes of the Lord Jesus. Many men please themselves in their sins, that they are done in secret. No eye sees us, they say. Some delight themselves in some abominable lust in the bottom of their heart. They say, no one shall ever know. Ah, but you are naked and laid open to the eyes of him with whom you have to do. A discerner. The word means one who judges and passes sentence. And so it is added with whom we have to do, or to whom we must give account. The end of this constant watching of the heart of men is that he may pass a just and righteous sentence upon them. The heart is deceitful above all things, and God commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. That same Jesus, who is now watching the hearts of all men, who now sees all the insults that are put upon him, he is to be the judge of all. O oh, you who live in secret sin, think of these two things, that you are naked and laid open to the eyes of the Lord Jesus, and that it is with him that you have to do. Many of you practice sin in the dark, which you dare not do in the light. Many of you go to secret places, dens of darkness to commit iniquity. Many of you commit acts of fraud and dishonesty and uncleanness in the dark when you think no eye is upon you. Many of you commit sin in the secret of your own bosom. Many of you would be awfully ashamed and confounded if I were to repeat over the sins you commit in your own bosom, your vain silly thoughts, your filthy impure thoughts, your thoughts of anger and envy and hatred. 
Ah, think, dear friends, you are naked and open to the eyes of Christ. He has been present at every secret act of wickedness. His meek, holy eye was resting on you all the time. He was within reach of you. He saw all that was in your heart, every imagination. His eye poured over it all. It is with him you have to do. You are to stand before his throne and give an account of all to him. How will you bear to look upon him when you know he has been present during all your history, when he recounts over your deeds of darkness? Ah, will you not call on the rocks and mountains to fall on you and to hide you from him that sits upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb? You that are God's children, oh, that you will walk humbly and with holy fear before this all-seeing, heart-searching Saviour. Brethren, if you would remember that the most secret recesses of your hearts are naked to the Lord Jesus, surely it would make you watch and be sober. The eye of Christ is resting peculiarly upon the breast of those of you whom he has chosen and washed and justified. He watches every movement of your soul. There cannot be the least declension from him or turning away from his ways, but his eye sees it and his Holy Spirit is grieved. Ah, he is often grieved in things that the world never sees nor knows. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed. If some believing friend could see into your bosom, would you not be much more careful of your heart? Now, the Lord Jesus is that friend. All your breast is naked and laid open to him. You cannot leave your first love, but he knows it. You cannot lose your concern of grow, or grow worried in well-doing, but he knows it. You cannot admit any lust into your soul, but he sees and abhors it. Oh, that you would walk worthy of him, who have called you into his kingdom and glory. One sweet comfort also is here. He knows all your need and can supply it all. How precious are thy thoughts. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Blessed Hope Podcast, a media outreach by Blessed Hope Bible Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit our website at www.blessedhope.sg. Our sermons are available at www.sermonaudio.com slash blessedhope. The Lord bless you and keep you.